Well, hello out there, all of you beautiful, nobody, knob-licking, crazy, just wild men and women. You know, our, uh, our demographic. You're about my age, about my height. Little bit sexier than I am, not much. But, the most important thing is, we all like just the craziness. Well, we bring you the craziness in this episode, and we bring you the craziness with, or by, whatever, someone who has written a book on the subject, on the subject of giving us more information uh, to go ahead and skew and Bible fact up to be our own information to use as ammunition with the uninitiated Robert could not be here this week and probably will not be for a couple weeks, but we're going to trudge on without him because if Chris and I are anything without Rob, it's soldiers. Happy birthday, Marissa. Now here is me. Playing a little uh, David Bowie. You know, British, aliens. It all works out in the end. Ziggy played guitar. I'm excited Boom. and I'm scatterbrained and no more booms this week, Chris, please. I oh, yeah. could not edit them out. I could not do a thing. No, they sounded the funny too. They sounded funny. They sounded like 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 if you put a firecracker underneath a pot or something and it just it was really I don't know, it didn't really sound like booms. It almost sounded I don't know. I, I, like weird. I said, we we easily could have told people that we had been recording uh, live from a bowling alley last week. I just wish they would have had more bass is all I'm getting at really. I just wish that we could actually record live from a bowling alley. But this week is very special, as we uh, didn't just allude to, but flat out told you assholes last week. We have <laughs> our very first actual guest. This guy went to college, guys. Like, not even kidding. Not only did no. he go to college, he isn't even from here. I was going to say, he studied abroad because that's where he was born. And it's then he went abroad special... other places to study. Yeah. God, the things he did in his life, and I'm sitting here talking to you assholes on a microphone. Welcome yep. to another inadequate Jason episode of <laughs> See No, Hear No, Speak No. Oh, the UFOs, the conspiracies, slackers, and moiters. And... Oh! Me. That was it, that was it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he was doing it. Okay, 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 go again. And me, James yes. T. Abbott. Yeah! Well, he definitely Scott. had Rob's timing down. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. 
Oh, I love oh, it. That, that's, that's, couldn't have been better. Our special guest today, Good. <laughs> author of The Outsider's Guide to UFOs, James T. Abbott, which I honestly have not read a book in years because no, I'm a movie me neither. guy. I'm a movie guy. I will wait for the movie if I know there's a good book. Um, but, you know, uh, your, uh, your, your publicist sent over. Uh, I got the hard copy because it's my show. That's why, Lucky I, say bastard. The, that's why I say the first line. Um, and uh, Chris got the, uh, the PDF. And uh, I, I literally ha- I have not been able to put it down. But that's a big old book you wrote there, James, and I couldn't finish it. I'm a total slut for memorabilia too, so I think uh, maybe that was a weird choice of words. But yeah, was a little it? bit. Was yeah, it? I think it was. No, I don't no, know. it was. No, we all think it was, Chris. You've made us all, all right. just a, a tad bit more uncomfortable than we were when we got here. <laughs> good, good. Then, then my work here is done. But uh, <clears throat> it's the thing I love uh, most about your book, James, is that it is it that you aren't a, uh, a necessary believer or denier. You're not a, uh, I like to call them ufologists because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that rubs them the wrong way just, just enough. And um, you, you're just a, a damn fine researcher. And you have, you've, God damn it, you have filled this book with, how, how many hours did it take you to do the research just to put in, into this book? Oh, I don't know, how old's the universe? It feels like that. <laughs> I, I could imagine because you have so much pulled from everywhere and there's so much information inside this thing um, and I think the general modern consensus though for that question for the for the answer to that question that was somewhere around 14.5 billion years uh, but yeah continue. that's about oh, it <laughs> yeah. that's a good yeah, I think it took it just slightly less I think it, it would have uh, yeah that number would be slightly higher with me with my four minute breaks in between but yep. um <laughs> you give us the you give us all the research so we don't have to spend that long going out and finding all of this information for ourselves and then you give us what we need to make our own then informed decision on it and that's what I love so much about it is that you're not telling us you're not ramming down our throats UFOs UFOs or you know swamp gas swamp gas you are saying here's all of the information you read it make up your mind and I love that Yep. I think that's, that's what, what it's, it's all about. Sorry, Chris. Oh, I was just saying. I, I think that's what the subject needs. I, I think that's what the genre needs. It, it, it's going to take that type of direction to, you know, it, it's like in any court of law. You need evidence, and and it is what it is. You can't refute it. You can't. There's certain things you just cannot hoax. You can't. Um, so, yeah. Eventually, we're going to have to put a, a a finger on what this actually is. But until then, what we have is all of this evidence that you put forth to us <laughs> I mean, thank, and graciously so because I'm too lazy I, so I appreciate it very much well yeah I, I mean that's exactly what you've done is to say exactly what I was trying to do um, to engage the people in the middle to give some research uh, references to people who know what they're talking about and have been studying it for years to make sure that the the, the subject is treated with a with a degree of seriousness now, um, and I know you know everybody rolls around laughing when somebody talks about UFOs, but they are a serious subject. Absolutely, indeed. Absolutely, indeed. and that and that's uh, the, the funny thing about having you on the show um, is that 
I, I believe that I'm the, the only one on the show who uh, will call literally everyone in the world a liar unless he sees empirical evidence, but has his own just spectacular, unbelievable UFO experience story of his own. Um, it was pretty cool. I, it, and I'll, I'll, I'll recap super, super quick. I mean, I, I wasn't uh, taken up anywhere and, and doodled or anything, but uh, I was dry, there's we have uh, the Pontchartrain uh, Bridge, uh, which is uh, the, the causeway, is was the longest bridge over uh, you know water in the world until China cheated. But I was driving one late night home from my brother's house over there to my home, and there was this object just hanging in the sky about halfway across the bridge. It was uh, your your wedge shaped you know triangle. It had you know three lights on each side under it and a strip of lights on the back completely silent sat there i was one of two cars on the bridge when i was getting off the bridge the other side they had the <clears throat> the other ways traffic completely blocked off by about 10 cop cars and a bunch of barricades and they closed the bridge behind me um never heard a thing about it anywhere on the news or anything else what it could have been or what could have happened and uh it was just very eerie uh and i know what i saw but if I were telling me this story, I would call me a liar. <laughs> and it's not that I don't believe, because I absolutely do believe, and I, I, I know I believe what I saw. But it's still the fact that it's so unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what other people say as well, Jason. It's not the, uh, it's not you. It's 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 what actually happens during cases like that because they seem so unreal afterwards. Exactly. And, and because how could I possibly have seen what I think I just saw? Well, isn't that the definition of surreal? Is when it's when you know it happened, but it still feels like you've never been through that experience. Kind of like you're looking at it from the outside in your own mind. Yep, that's right. Um, where, where, how how high was this thing, Chris? Oh, that was Jason's story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, oh, sorry, Jay, Jason. Yeah. Was, I mean, I'm I'm a terrible, terrible judge of uh, of distance uh, and time usually, but I it was close enough to where I could see uh, that it was blacker than the night sky uh, that it sat in. I could clearly make out the shape of it. Um, I could tell that it it didn't move, it didn't wobble, it didn't waver, it didn't forward, back, left, right, up or down. It sat there, and um, but, I mean, it was somewhere between 10 feet and 10, 10 billion feet, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, I, would, I would have to say, uh, at least, uh, if it's the size that I think it was, which is maybe uh, a little uh, larger than, like, a, uh, like a jet fighter-type plane. So it wasn't like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have to say... So maybe it, I mean, a 30-foot wingspan, something like that? Yeah, it would have to be at least a couple hundred feet in the air. But close enough to where I could plainly see detail, the little strip of light on the back of it that was, it was like an amorphous light that just constantly changed throughout colors and things like that, while the lights on the bottom were just super bright, white, white, white lights. And um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> were, they, were they blindingly white? Um, they... They weren't exactly blindingly white. Uh, they uh, they would have been, I think, if I if I would have been directly under it, but it was slightly off to the left of the bridge. Um, so it's it was it was weird because they had these bright bright lights, but they didn't seem to 
illuminate any light. They didn't seem to light up anything under it. That's exactly what my next question was going to be. Did they, did they illuminate anything? And you're saying no. That's again uh, a real common thing for people to say. That's, see, now you're giving me chills because now I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is... Because I didn't tell any... I, well, I called well, my tell mom. tell about your mom's side of it, yeah. Yeah. I called my mom <laughs> while I was on the bridge. Um, and it was late, so she was freaking out, like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I'm like, uh, I just needed to be on the phone with someone while I'm looking at this thing. <laughs> and I'm telling her about it. And she's like, well, why don't you stop? I was like, no, I'm on the causeway. Like, people drive 75 in the dark on this thing. I'm not... But I rolled down my window. I'm, I'm driving by... And there's not a sound but the the wind going past me and uh, I'm, t I'm explaining the way it looks to her everything she had me draw it when I got home and uh, she works at the uh, the Army Corps and she works with some people who have uh, worked in the Air Force and at NASA and showed them this and explained my whole story to them and one guy in particular <clears throat> said that you know uh, we, we have we have uh, planes that will uh, hover. Uh, we have planes that are next to silent, but he would have heard some kind of engine noise, and it would not have it because it looked like it was sitting completely stationary. It looked like it was uh, suspended from a, a solid rod from the sky. That's how still it was, and uh, and so he's like, "Yeah, I don't know what your son saw, flat out." And this is a guy that just two years earlier, you know, was building spaceships for NASA. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, the, the, what, you're, what you've just described, I think I could probably give you 10, 15, 20 examples of very similar things, um, you know, from ranging from Australia to Belgium to the United Kingdom, uh, the Hudson Valley uh, incidents back in the 80s, it, you know. That, that, what you've just described, I think all of those people would recognize. Wow. <clears throat> so there's a worldwide awesome. support group for you. I don't want to meet any of them. They probably don't take a lot of baths. <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. There's... I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's another thing that everybody says. They, it, it does worry them when they see these things. It's, uh, it's quite worrying. There was a policeman in Manchester um, about two years ago who saw something very very similar and he um, he said it changed his whole life he just he had not even thought that about anything outside his current experience mm -hmm. but although he didn't know what it was he knew damn well it wasn't an aircraft it wasn't a helicopter and it certainly was something that was hanging there in the sky with lights on it right it's so amazing to me personally now I, I don't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna veer off too far into this but for me I, I find myself uh, doing since I'm by myself a lot of the time uh, I, I find myself doing these introspective uh, questionnaires and, and you know trying to figure out how and why I react to certain things certain ways and yada 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 and you know it, it continues to prove to me that you have this uh, conscious as well as subconscious mind uh, that you, you can't control certain things and the way you react to certain things even if you can logically understand what is happening and and that sort of thing you know when you see something that that you've never imagined before being true and you know that what you saw really happened but 
that feeling, that that life changing, and really a lot of those religious people that that have had those types of experiences with their so-called angels or whatever they want to call it, it's the same sort of life changing wash over you. Oh my God, everything is different now. Um, experience and and. I think that because I'm actually a believer, although I love evidence, scientific measurable evidence, um, I am still a believer and I've had my own experiences as has my mom and several members of my family and such, uh, but <clears throat> I, I'm a little jealous of that, of that feeling. You know what I mean? It's that, it's kind of that ignorance is bliss and now your whole bubble has been shattered and now you have to make that bubble this much bigger but you don't know what's happening so that much bigger is infinitely large that can be frightening and i, I don't and know i guess i'm a little jealous <laughs> I, I i will i will say that uh it was because uh, i've i've always i mean i i believe that there are other life forms out there in the universe because i know what math is so yeah yeah, yeah. it's it, it in an in, in an infinite universe, uh, there, us, just us being us is is far 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 too uh, big headed. That's just um, how could we? I don't know. It's just how could I, we possibly I'm be making think? my own Drake equation T-shirts? By the way, good, 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 good. Um, it it doesn't make any sense. And anyone who tries to to prove that we're the only ones here, it just it doesn't ring sincere to me because how could someone possibly truly believe that the the solar system that we call home could be the only place anywhere in existence that could house such uh, a being and uh so i always knew but just seeing that like at first i got really excited i'm like oh shit what is this and then I was like, "Oh wait, what is this?" And uh, <laughs> and when I was leaving, it it was very dreamlike. Um, and I tell you what, if I wouldn't have seen the uh, them closing down the bridge behind me and that they had on the other side, uh, I don't think I would be telling you about it now. And I don't think I ever would have told anybody anybody about it because that that was the the thing that that was the 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 water in the face that woke me up and was like okay that shit just happened like what the fuck did you just see what the fuck just happened that just happened so yeah it was definitely an experience that i'll never forget but one ultimately that i believe uh was was just a a, a stroke of insane luck and just happening to be somewhere and just seeing something <laughs> you know it's it, nobody that gets to see these, um, you know, I'm not rich, I'm not famous, I'm not uh, well liked by my peers, but I got to see a motherfucking UFO, and he <laughs> didn't, nah, nah. Well, nobody goes to certain areas to see specifically that, you know, and the people that do show up in mass groups to sit around with their tinfoil hats and such and, and party around the fire, you know, calling don't out forget, to them. Don't forget hacky sacks. Oh, yeah, sorry. They never see anything. <laughs> so, I, I, sorry for, for dragging that on longer than it maybe could have, uh, should have gone on. Because we do have 
uh, a couple questions about your uh, the stories in your book in particular. Well, we need and, to hear uh, more of your accent too. So, you, so you know, I, I imagine you have stuff you want to say. No, I like your accent. Oh, no way. Honestly, that's the only reason we had you on the show. I was like, I need someone British. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. No. It was, we're terrible <laughs> at, at, uh, in, person, in, in doing impressions of said accent. But I can say, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, if I could have chosen at birth an accent, it would have either been British or uh, Jamaican. Because nothing gets the ladies in this country like those two accents. <laughs> I promise you right now. Do you think, I'll tell you what, uh, here's, here's another sort of side issue for you, but, but do you think that the Americans generally are getting more relaxed about the British? That, you know, there was a, there was a time when the only time um, a British person was shown in an American film was, was as the evil guy, the guy who was going to blow the world up or, or kill everybody inside or whatever. Now oh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, it, the, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the Muslim community has taken that uh, stage... <laughs> rather well um uh, mostly it, absolutely undeservedly i mean there are terrorists everywhere people uh believe yeah. it but no uh yeah see now I, I i think we see uh uh the british in general as more of a cute bumbling sort that yes. um that are there as as a uh, kind of <laughs> exotic but still real safe you know what i mean so yeah it's just you're not from around here but you and i we're still the same color which is terrible because even if they're not, it still makes sense to Americans. And uh, oh, that's that animal brain shit I'm always talking about. Oh, <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> honestly, because because I am a lover of cultures and and I uh, I have spent some time in other countries. Not much. Not it's my life dream to travel the world. But I, I understand regional differences and and things like that. So I can say that. <clears throat> cinema wise uh yeah yeah the americans are enjoying british people from the uh more sophisticated uh james bond style to and and i and, and i'm just talking about pop culture really because that's all most americans know anything about uh <laughs> you're talking politics we don't know shit about your politics i promise you uh <laughs> so you you win on that one but um but no, you know, you, you you have movies and you have actors like Jason Statham and, and they'll do, or, or Vinny, what's his name, who was the old soccer player who's just a yes. badass. I love the guy, <clears throat> you know, but you have those two different sides of the culture, the, you know, the, the street side of the culture and then you got the suit side of the culture and <laughs> I, think, I think overall we're fans of both. It still holds mystery to us. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we are, uh, you know, you guys, you guys didn't uh, win the war with us, so I think we can put all that water under the bridge. Um, as long as you don't hold any ill will, we'll be just fine. <laughs> all right, then. That's, that, that, that's fair enough. Indeed. So, I do have a question, though, uh, it, which uh, is... I, Oddly enough, at the beginning of the timeline of, of all this uh, in your book, and uh, also at the beginning of your book, but uh, one of the uh, the medieval uh, sightings that just really uh, grabbed me, and I I loved it because you the you have uh, it's it's the Windsor Castle one from 1783. Oh yeah, and I love that 
you go on, you know, like you, you give quotes from it that people, uh, every UFO website that, that features this story at all will throw this quote in your face. And then I keep reading on and I see, oh wait, they leave out chunks of quotes. And I'm guessing that happens a whole lot. Yeah, I think it does. One of one of the problems with uh, with you know some people who study the subject, uh, you can call them ufologists or whatever. I don't know. Um, and and a lot of people who study the subject are absolutely brilliant and they do it very very well. But occasionally you do get people on the fringes who who will look at a story and just accept that everything that somebody else has told them is absolutely true and they won't go back to square one. Now the lucky, the lucky thing about the Windsor Castle incident is that all the details are actually still in the archives of the Royal Society. So you can, you, you could, I mean you can access them online. That's ridiculously cool because the, these are uh, first-hand accounts of people that were standing on the terrace looking out and seeing this phenomenon whatever it may be yeah that's right I mean if you if you looked into the um, the paperwork that's actually online at the moment through the Royal Society there were three separate witnesses one or two of them were well three three separate groups of witnesses really one one of them was actually on the on the terrace of the castle that night and and saw what he saw and that was the Italian Cavallo and then and he gave a paper to the Royal Society and then there was an archdeacon of York uh, Minster, 200 miles to the north, who saw the same object and saw it going in exactly the same direction. And then secondly, there was, or thirdly, there was another astronomer who was coming home from the south of England at the time and saw exactly the same thing. So, you know, it, it, that, that thing was definitely a bolide. It was a meteorite that just exploded. but. And what's happened is people have used the way that people wrote in the de in those days to misinterpret what was going on. Indeed. That makes sense. And it, just like the way people uh, use the way people write today to misinterpret what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In a wishful thinking sort of way versus like today would be more of a uh, specific wording sort of way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, th th these days we, we speak and write in a certain way, which would be almost impossible for people even 50, 60 years ago to understand. And we use jargon that is very, very different. But in those days, they would, and, uh, and in those days, for example, they say in one of the accounts that the object stopped and then moved again. And in the, in the real account, it says actually that it, that wasn't the case. What it did was appear to stop in the heavens mm. and then mm. move on and that what they were doing with it, it was the way it looked from the ground was it was coming towards them i.e. it looked as though it stopped and then it shifted huh so you think a lot of a lot of the interpretation then is based on a lack of vocabulary or just a completely different vocabulary altogether <laughs> well, it could be the different flowery way, yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be the different vocabulary, but a, but a lot of it, I think, is that it. The minute you can misinterpret interpret one set of words, a lot of uh, people with UFO websites see that as a way of getting readers, and so they they will follow it regardless. They won't actually look into the the original accounts, the original records. See, doesn't it's, that kind of defeat the purpose? Yeah. 
it's a copy paste I want hits on my page it's it's less a I want to further the knowledge of this thing that I love and more ooh look how many people hit my page today that's unacceptable so. behavior and may they be stricken from my planet um, you know though <laughs> this also made me think of something uh, just now that I, I can't believe I never thought of before because I am an artist. Uh, but do you think, because there there have been so many people in medieval times that have seen such things, like that one, um, I, I, was it Germany or something where they did the wood cutting, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. do you think that, uh, and that was a journalistic sort of thing, but do you think that it, that, that this phenomenon hasn't shown up more in artwork, um, for fear of, uh, like religious persecution and things like that? Or, or, I mean, I, I, like I said, I can't believe I never thought of that before, but it hasn't though. It, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting that I think the a lot of the early artworks are quite persuasive and compelling and there are a whole load of people who will argue that they show unidentified objects in the air and that that's what it's all about. The, the problem is it's it's like you know if you're if you're trying to interpret things for example you know if we go 2000 years into the future and we're sitting around and somebody brings in something they've just found in an old museum covered in dust and it's a Picasso and one guy says to the other uh, hey uh, you know how on earth did they get on looking like that nah. and, and I think it's the same thing what we do is we tend to interpret images from the past in our own uh, rational our own framework of rationality and that's not necessarily the way they were doing them at the time. So the Nuremberg and the Basel um, uh, paintings appear to yeah, show. Yeah, they appear to show things in the sky, you know, blobs in the sky, and things, and they called it a battle even at the time. Um, and it could have been, but one of the one of the words you have to avoid, I think, in studying this subject is the word could unless you preface it with you know uh, th this is this is speculation here it could have been a it could have been meteors that they were they were illustrating for example meteors falling fairly fast you know i think when was it in in the 18th century uh, a meteor shower fell in france it was something like a thousand fifteen hundred meteors fell in one day wow. good lord now if that had happened in nuremberg or in basel in switzerland the answer would have been to, to draw them as balls in the sky falling. Um, so maybe they were drawing those. Maybe it wasn't UFOs at all. Entirely possible. All, all I do know is that it took a lot of work to report that and, and to carve that into you know wood and then reproduce it. So whatever it was that they saw was pretty compelling. <laughs> yeah, and as you said, you know, you you said that it was it was possibly a religious thing, and I think sometimes we forget that um, ancient or older civilizations than ours interpreted a lot of things that happened in a, in a religious way. So, 
for example, I mean, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate now and saying, you know, this might have been a meteor shower. But if it was a meteor shower, you know, that could have been interpreted as an act of God, as something, uh, you know, sending a message to mankind. So it would have been worth carving into 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 a piece of wood. And that's exactly what I was. I think well, that's what I was just thinking is is the religious aspect of it and. The fact that uh, back then uh, there were, of course, uh, intellectual outliers of every uh, sort of, of school of thought, but uh, the fact that for the most part, uh, most of Europe was uh, very, very, very super into to, to God and such. So you see something like that back then, uh, you think, uh, you know, battle of... of of heavenly angels coming down to, to, to save us and whatnot and or destroy. Um, so it, hmm. Cause I know in a lot of old uh, religious paintings and things like that, they do have the, uh, the little thing in the sky in the background. Uh, but I also know that, uh, some of the stuff that they were painting was either from thousands and thousands of years before they were alive or just completely made up because so, it's hard. It's hard for me, especially with that. I, that's why the I think the stories that we're talking about right now are so uh, so enrapturing is because they they had the eyewitness there. It wasn't uh, a story passed down for for hundreds, if not thousands, of years, and then really fleshed out and put out into the world. People were there. They saw it. This is what they think they saw. This is kind of what it looked like. What was it? You know, but to to attribute that to a, a religious higher power back then, I'm if, I don't think I'd be mistaken in saying that that would have been the norm. Yeah, classic train of thought for sure. <clears throat> Especially when the commoners versus the upper class were were you know the numbers themselves were so vastly uh, opposite each other that. Yeah, the, the commoners didn't have the knowledge, didn't have the vocabulary, didn't have the uh, any of that to describe what they saw versus what a rich person would have been um, uh, privy to, you know. So, I mean, all, all of that has to be taken into account. And that's, uh, that's one of the things that I was going to add was that uh, with the religious thing, you know, I realize that mankind and civilization goes back thousands of years, but I always think about, for some reason, when I, when I think about religious persecution, I always think about the, the Inquisition and the fact that nowadays in our, our generations, these last few generations, it has changed dramatically by the decade. You know what I mean? And that never used to happen before, as there was a certain time when shit didn't change for hundreds of years, sometimes thousands of years. Everything was the same. So generations upon generations lived and died by the exact same rules and all the same stuff. And uh, the Inquisition went on for almost 500 years. That is insane for us nowadays to even think about something, one thing, especially that horrific, lasting for even 100 years yeah. we, I mean, and now we can't even get a good TV show to last three years right I mean <laughs> mm. so yeah that's uh, religious persecution and, and fear of such things I imagine was quite a um, deterrence of certain artists doing exactly the types of pieces that they may have wanted to you know Indeed. I could be wrong Indeed. 
So yeah, no, no, no. I don't think you are wrong. I think that's exactly what happened. I mean, after all, if you if you value your skin in those days, then you uh-huh. you tend to follow really? the, the you, you follow the rules and and stick by the the prescribed way of looking at things. And even if you've seen a UFO over a bridge, um, as Jason did, you you certainly don't paint it. Exactly. Right. I mean, I I had to come home and self-flagellate like the second I got here and just <laughs> really give it to myself and tell God that I was sorry for what I saw because I knew that it was his glory. Um, <laughs> but then he he and I got cool. We're cool now. He comes he comes to my house every once in a while. He he's got okay pot. Yeah. So Sunday crawfish, bro. <laughs> Chris, I think it's your turn for a question for Mr. Abbott. Right. Well, okay. Because um, yeah, I like my, Chris's questions. Because Chris is the UFO guy. And uh, he, he's the one that knows all the stuff about the UFO. Like, you and, I, you, you and Chris would, uh, would A, get along famously. B, hate each other's guts. C, <laughs> get along just as well right after that part. <laughs> no, I, I would like never hate anybody's guts. I'm a little oh. jealous of your, uh, your uh, gung-ho about your research because I wish I could do such things and it really comes down to my my subconscious mind is even lazier than my my conscious mind so yeah I, I only make it so far but I am a sponge for information that somehow both minds agree on is cool shit so uh, yeah that's that's where my expertise comes into play <laughs> um, so yeah I, I mean I have a I have one question based on something, a story that you did tell in your book, which I guess is what I will lead to since uh, I, I imagine this whole thing originally was, uh, you know, PR for your book. So we definitely don't want to skip over that. Um, my other two questions are kind of more personal. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll get to that later. So first question. Where's no, your house? What's your <laughs> social security number? No, not that kind of personal. Bank personal card. for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. So my first question uh, deals with uh, the Rendlesham Forest incident. Um, and that story, uh, when I first heard it, blew me away uh, for many, many reasons. That's one of the few... Uh, true stories like that that I've heard that have always that got engraved in my mind right away. And well, when we started the show, I uh, and I did uh, our first UFO episode. I, I made mention that um, actually we did that. That episode was on uh, the battle over Los Angeles, um, and I did. Uh, I made mention that with the show you know I'm willing personally to entertain all stories and all personal accounts and whatever I'm, I'm willing to listen I'm willing to entertain it however as far as the show's concerned I only want to tell the stories that have credible people talking like not just your Joe Schmo I saw something in the air but somebody who's either trained to to know what they're talking about with the vocabulary to properly describe what they saw and or actual like CE2 physical evidence and uh, uh, the uh, Rendlesham Forest just blew me away because there's so much of both 
and, and yes. so I suppose my question uh, so that we don't get too far into it you know we, we want people to to actually know the story for themselves unless unless you have specific things to say <coughs> excuse me Wow um, my question is as far as uh, uh, when, which one was it, uh, Burroughs or Peniston, I think it was Peniston that touched it, and he was flooded with all that information, uh, some of which was, I believe, 12 pages worth of binary code. Um, now, now, the size of the page obviously matters, you know, we're talking about a little pocket notebook, I don't think he brought a five-star binder with him. Um, it was a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, <laughs> and we all fucking know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was rocking it. Uh, he loved his neon colors, neon unicorns. Uh, so, yeah, either way, 12 pages is a lot. A lot of ones and zeros. What do you think about that? And, and, and I mean, for anyone to keep such things in their head for... I, I can't... Now, see, that's the one thing I never remember is how long was it after that incident? Because I know it wasn't immediate that he went and wrote down that 12 pages because once he did it stopped uh, and he forgot it so what how 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 possible do you think that is not only for 12 well yeah see okay <laughs> that, that's where my mind goes yeah I I really don't know um, the, the the thing about Rendlesham is that like Roswell it's now getting mired in claim and counterclaim and stories and this you know who said that and who said who said something else um, and David Clark's been in the um, in the frame just recently uh, going back on that but the the thing about Peniston is that you you could write Rendlesham off as a total fraud if you believe that those three guys who went out that night uh, as a security patrol were just bored GIs living in one of the worst areas of the world to spend Christmas in, uh, in yeah, East Anglia is yeah, ex extremely cold um, at Christmas time it's not, there's not so much snow but the wind will cut you in half oh, we get and that it's, here in uh, New Orleans I'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I doubt it's ever that cold. But oh, the, yeah. Um, yeah. My Christmas season was actually negative 27 this year, and I was driving Gross. a big truck in that. Yeah, Where was that? Uh, I believe that was um, Wisconsin. Oh, there it is. Yeah, well, it would yeah, be, yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> Sorry. So, but so no, I, I just think you could write Rendlesham off as a total fraud if you just if you don't believe anything that Peniston, Burroughs, and Cabinsack said, and they, exactly. their, their stories are exactly. pretty, pretty wild. There's no, that's, there's that's, no that's, okay, that's what I say to Chris whenever he brings anything up is, but what if they're all liars? Well, if you write them off, how could you write off the, the, the um, personal memos of, of uh, Colonel Holt the, the very next night? Oh, no, no, I'm not writing him off at all, because I think, I think, what, what I'm saying is a lot of people write it off because they see it as three guys going out on a Christmas, Christmas well, it's Boxing Day evening when it was really cold. So they're having a bit of fun, saw something in the forest and decided to, to liven up a very, very boring evening. So you could write it off as that. But some of the things they say and some of the things that are, are reported back are 
are so compelling that you have to believe that there was something there. Uh, you know, people did see lights in the forest, they did, and that was before the guys went out to, to have a look at it. Um, Penniston did get close to it because Burroughs says, you know, he and, he and Cavanzag hid in the bushes basically but while Penniston was doing that. And he, he did apparently touch it and get what apparently are messages. But, you know, you have to, because we can't understand what was happening, we can't interpret it properly. But then, you know, and this is, this is what makes Rendlesham the real story, I guess, is, you know, a day or so later, Charles Holt has his evening interrupted, gets a huge gang of people out and, and goes out into the forest. And he did not want to do that. It was very clear, you know, and everything he said since is that he did not want to do it. It was, he was nice and warm and snug at a nice Christmas party and he gets sent out by the base commander who then stabs him in the back basically. Um, nowadays, you know, Ted Conrad has basically said that he was uh, out of order. Um, he was, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well this is David Clark's interview with Ted Conrad who um, is now retired and Conrad said, and I, it's a pretty near a quote, he said, Holt should be ashamed of himself for wow. accusing wow. the US and UK governments of covering up something that never happened. Ooh. Shots fired. Those fighting words. <laughs> oh snap. I mean, 30 years he stayed silent on that and my, my attitude to that is why stay silent for 30 years? I mean, what he's talking about is his immediate junior officer, Charles Holt, who he ordered to go out in the forest. And then Holt comes back eventually, four hours later, after seeing some very, very weird things in the sky, and, and says, says to his, his commanding officer, I saw some pretty weird things. Now, that for me was the time when any sensible commanding officer would look at his, his junior and say, keep that to yourself, that's an order. Right. But, mm -hmm. but he didn't. And he actually allowed Holt to write to the British Ministry of Defence and say, you know, yesterday three of our guys saw something in the forest and today I've seen all sorts of weird things in the sky. Now, if that, if um, Conrad knew that Holt was going to do that, and I think he did because you know, nobody sends memos to the British Ministry of Defence from a US Air Force base unless they've got permission to do so. Now, if he did know that, that for me would have been, and he knew it was wrong that Holt was, was being out of order, he should have stopped him because that was an embarrassment to the US government. Oh, ab right. absolutely, absolutely. To have this rambling crazy person send this rambling crazy nonsense out to the, the ministry, that, that's, that would look bad on everybody. So why would he allow him to do that unless he believed what his, his junior saw? And then cover yeah. it up, like what's the strategy there? Yeah, that's, I mean, I can understand the British government doing that because the British government always covers everything up. There's never, never anything getting out of there or from, or from their senior officers or whatever. But it's, you know, the Americans are much more open about this sort of thing, even though you don't think necessarily that that's true. But they are, you know, com compared to the British government. Is that more because Americans, uh, is it because the American government knows that they've conditioned America as a whole to uh, to laugh and ridicule these stories instead of give them 
any sort of, of credence. They're, they're just going to say, oh, just the crazies will think anything about this. You know, that, that doesn't really matter. Um, and that, and that, uh, yep. that, that the British might take it uh, a little more seriously. I know that uh, the, the French are the only government that uh, actively uh, have a, a program still going on to investigate sightings. But the, the fact that, uh, I, I don't know, I, th- I think it's just, uh, it's been conditioned in Americans to, to give that such uh, derision and to, to laugh at the guy who saw the thing because fuck you, you're crazy. Chile is actually so open about it that they have a, a an open to the public program for reporting uh, sightings and occurrences, as well as they've opened um, a, a national park uh, that uh, encompasses several areas where things supposedly took place and and uh, touchdowns and sightings have uh, hot spots, and uh, they they've made it a national UFO park. <laughs> and they yeah. opened that restaurant, Chili's. Yeah, they did good. With really good, suppose, if you like. Really good place. It, it's it's but sensible. The, uh, the French it's have never been terribly open about it. I mean, they've got they've got their gendarmerie involved in reporting sightings and so on and recording them, but the, the government keeps very very well away from the whole subject. And uh, you know, right, e- right, right. even Gipin, who are supposed to be investigating it, are kept at arm's length by the French National Space Agency. Indeed. Indeed. The space That's... Agency. And, and uh, to this, uh, this definitely fits in with, uh, with uh, Chris's question, uh, because in, in your book I saw that you uh, encouraged people to watch Out of the Blue, which is a, a documentary on, uh, on recorded uh, UFO occurrences as, as far as uh, photographs and, and video and it has these credible uh, you know uh, people on here these military people these government people uh, you know uh, cops all, all this stuff that saw these things that come forward in this documentary and, and, and talk about it and this is something that I saw years and years ago uh, an old roommate of mine uh, was a, a crazy person and had me watch all kinds of crazy shit and this was <laughs> This was one of the things that we watched, and I this morning when I woke up, I'm like, I want to watch that before we do this today again. And so I, I ran through a bit of it, and um, and the story we, that we just talked about was in there, where they had all of the the eyewitness people uh, on camera saying, "This is what we saw. This is what the report said. Uh, this is what happened when I touched it." Which, by the way, people, don't be touching stuff like that. What do you want, cancer? Don't do that. We go over that in Chris's CE2 episode. Like, if there's space jelly on the ground, don't be grabbing at it. Just take a picture, maybe put it in a jar with, like, a like a spoon or something. But don't be touching that. You don't know where it's been or Indeed. where it's going. There could be all kinds of nano dealies in there getting into your such and things. But um, <laughs> I, one, of the, one of the biggest stories like that that I wanted to talk about is, uh, are, I guess, um, I'm, I'm really trying to be on my, my good English, uh, American English today, um, <laughs> is uh, the, uh, the, the Phoenix Lights. Because when, when that happened, thousands of people saw them over Phoenix. And many, many different views uh, and angles of recordings of it. It comes out and it is 
once again laughed at by even the local government where the what is it the mayor or the governor comes out and says the governor comes out and he says oh oh we found who was responsible and then they have some asshole come out in a in an alien costume yeah. and ha 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 everything's funny five samington boy they put him on a, on a they roasted his ass for that too yeah yeah because that was just very insensitive because all these people saw this shit no matter what it was that's still kind of insensitive that but makes then, me wonder uh, if he knew what his government would have wanted for if he thought he knew what his government would have wanted from him and took the initiative and then they fucking came out and said aha you're an asshole we're just gonna put you out there and use you as part of our disinformation <laughs> but, <laughs> you know? but then the funny thing being is not long after that not long after i guess his term was up he comes out and says uh guys i'm so fucking sorry about that i saw that too and yeah. now he, he he's uh i don't mean i don't know if still i mean that movie's 13 years old something like that but it, he's a believer and somewhat of uh, uh an advocate now and not just somebody that would dress somebody up in a costume to laugh at you anymore but and you know there's been so many different explanations for this they were flares uh, well how were they in formation they were uh you know it's 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 crazy that still after so many people could see something so out of any kind of norm sitting and this is just like the the battle of the medieval spheres in the sky you know it's an entire city that looks up and sees these lights and there's no explanation for it there's nothing but you know uh finger pointing and laughing and, and calling of gay from the government and then we have to sit there and be like okay well now the doubt comes in because you could know what you saw but if someone who you're supposed to trust tells you no you're an idiot then even if there's no viable explanation for what you saw well now I'm an idiot so I guess I didn't see it so I it, things like that I feel just set everything back so far it's just some transparency if they know it's flares show me when and where they were shot from you guys record everything on paper show me just show me yeah yeah that's absolutely right the I mean the, the, the that mass sighting in Phoenix, you know, which which came from way upstate and and went right the way down uh, the, the the state, it was um, it was a stunning one. But it, but it was pretty much a repeat of the sort of thing that happened in the Hudson Valley back in 1980, um, with thousands of people on the freeways actually stopping and watching these objects, and some people seeing them rising out of water, some people seeing them interacting with water, other people seeing them hovering. One guy jogged underneath one. Um, you know, J. Allen Hynek's book gives example after example, and the authorities simply, simply blocked it. They said no, there was nothing there. Absolutely not. It was just mass hysteria, and the press feeding on on a few, you know, nice choice uh, samples. So. Phoenix was exactly the same and I think one of the problems that you have to address here or try to address is why the government would do that. Why is it that all governments, whether it's the American or the French or the British or the Brazilian, uh, you name it, or the Australian for that matter, you name the government, they all try, uh, with the exception I think of the Chileans, 
they all try to hide behind some sort of ridicule, some sort of ab absolute denial that anything ever happened. And I think one of the explanations for that, I mean, there is an explanation which says, as some of the ufologists would argue, that the governments, all these governments are somehow in, in cahoots. They've all got bodies and, and spaceships in hangars somewhere, and they've all developed... And they're all reptilians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, well, the White House is full of them, evidently. Right. Right, <laughs> but the, 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 the main thing here, I think, is that there could be another explanation, which is that governments simply don't know, and they are too embarrassed to announce to their people that whatever is happening there has them totally, totally baffled. And, and that's what I think it is, too, is that I think that they really aren't sure. They're not having uh, sit-downs with alien leaders because why would aliens give a fuck, first of all? But second of all, if they don't know and they can't tell us exactly what it was and that they know and that we're safe, it proves to us that they can't keep us safe. It's the same thing with... Uh, and I mean, I'm sorry to keep going back uh, on the religious touch, uh, but it's the same thing with that. It's It's how how could there be life out there uh because we are god's chosen beautiful people that are modeled after him and god made everything so how could there be something else out there well the government is like well we can't tell them that because then we won't be the all-powerful government anymore because there will be something that even we can't explain or control and then i, I think their their biggest uh their biggest argument against telling us anything is is their uh, belief in you know mass hysteria is is in panic but I would I would like to believe that my uh, my belief in humanity as a whole uh, would disprove that but my belief that individual people are just terrible and stupid uh, tells me that mm, maybe that would happen so I don't know what's safer is it safer for them to say Yes, there was something, but we have no clue what it was. But we're going to try our best to find out. Or is it better to say, "What a bunch of dicks you are"? No, it was flares. Stupid. Go home and eat some cake. You know. I think. I mean, you've, I think you've put it in a nutshell there. And, and what the answer to that question, I think, for all governments is just throw ridicule at it because that—that's the safest way from their point of view. If they come out openly and say we don't, we we honestly don't know what this is all about, then they would a have to set up um, some pretty quick investigations, and those investigations would have to be global. This is one of the problems I think with this uh, phenomenon, because it's a global phenomenon. Governments would have to act together because if the Americans took on that particular burden by themselves. Um, the rest of the world would wonder what was going on and what was going on behind closed doors and were they were they really in cahoots with the aliens and, um, and so it has to be a global effort uh, so I, I guess from a, any normal government uh, officials point of view the best thing is just throw ridicule at it and then try and keep it under wraps try and keep it behind closed doors and then at least they stand a chance then of being able to look at it which of course was what the ATIP program I think was all about you know the, uh, the the whole thing about trying to investigate advanced aviation threats oh I will mm -hmm. be doing an episode on ATIP believe that oh yeah that's <laughs> got yeah 
that would be good. Chris is always throwing these acronyms at me, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I have no idea what it's going to be about until we start the show, so it's good. I like that. I like it's that. always awesome, though. See, I it's, would it's believe cool. I, I would be on the the governments are, are just they, they don't really know, but they're just trying to control mass hysteria for that reason train if people didn't come forward like uh, Colonel Philip Corso and uh, the certain things that Ben Rich has said and, uh, you know, Werner Von Braun's predictions and, uh, you know, it goes on and on. The, the astronauts, like we were talking about Edgar Mitchell and Story Musgrave and, uh, yeah, that's, that's who, I can never remember his name, I just remember that he speaks very mumbly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that explains it. Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which, on this show as well, we, we do not hold back on the ridicule of anyone who is not us. Um, so, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if it, weren't, if it weren't for very credible people like that, I would, I would totally be on that train. And my brother and I had a conversation. Now, now this kind of fits in, <clears throat> and, I, and I'll spit it out as quickly as possible. But we were talking about um, the strategy you know, behind why disinformation and why cover up and why all of this. And, and, and if you want to say, uh, if they, if you, if you want to imagine that they don't know anything and they're just covering it up, mass hysteria, uh, control for that reason, then okay, you have to imagine that, that they really, really do think that this will not only cause mass hysteria in the regular public, but also in foreign governments and stuff like that too. And if that's the case, then okay, that makes sense. Right. If you want to imagine then coming from the other angle that they they do know what's going on and they're covering it up as a military uh, uh, from a military perspective, yet at the same time they're using the disinformation. Now this is the part that upsets me because this is what I, what train I'm on <clears throat> is that they're, they're using the disinformation and stuff like that basically because they know where they've kept us education wise the the majority of us and we're not gonna go out of our way to question when credible professionals in such fields say certain things. Well, I don't know. I'm fucking stupid. What do I know about that? Well, you know what? I am fucking stupid, maybe, as far as they're concerned, but I do also use a bit of logic, and um, there's certain things that you just can't tell me and expect me to just follow right along with your story. So, um, that being said, though, uh, we yeah, were talking I, I agree about, with, about yeah i agree with you i agree with you chris i think that's that's what that is what's happening but what you've got to understand i think is that governments may not have the whole story they may be sitting on quite a lot of information about what's going on i guarantee that yeah exactly about what's I guarantee it. What? Why would any advanced civilization come down and tell us the whole story? No. What strategy is that? <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. And I don't think they can anyway, because if there are, if, and it's a big if, but if there are things like that around, and if it is an advanced civilization from a galaxy far, far away, then they will be a thousand, two thousand, maybe a hundred thousand years in advance of us technologically and probably mm -hmm. mentally as well in terms of the way they see the, the, the whole universe. But exactly. if that is true, then governments may know that there is something there. They may have, 
I mean, nobody, let's face it, Chris, you know as well as I do that there's so much evidence there now. I mean, look at the latest Navy videos. There is so much evidence out there that we've got a very strong case for something being out there. Now, if we know that, then the governments know it. They know damn well that there is something there. And they know a bit more about it than we do but probably not the whole story. And they certainly can't answer questions like, where are they coming from? How are they getting here? What sorts of craft are they in? What are their motivations? Why are they here? What are they gonna do? Those sorts of questions aren't available to them, or the answers aren't available to them, so they keep it, they keep mum. Indeed, and you know, while watching uh, Out of the Blue this morning uh, with my girlfriend, she said, well, you know, uh, it, there was that one. God damn it, I can't remember where it was. It, it was a video from England. I know that much because uh, I remember the guy's accent while he was he was filming it. But it was a, a wobbly classic UFO uh, disc shaped with a bubble in the middle craft. And and Melissa asks me, she's like, well, you know, if, if aliens can get here from wherever in those, like, why don't we just make ships that look like that? well it's not all about that it's it's the propulsion it's it's what's the engine what's the drive is it is it even something that uh our our uh physics understanding can can fathom yet uh there's there's so much unknown and as far as because we've talked about reverse engineering (coughs) and things things of that nature before um because we are a bunch of crackpots here but i think that I believe in the power of uh, human ingenuity. We, we've got ourselves pretty far, pretty quick. Uh, yeah, but you don't go hand a chimpanzee a crate of submachine guns and expect somebody not to get shot. <laughs> you don't. I, I trust my chimpanzees. So, you know. <clears throat> you got to teach but, them how to respect it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not a toy. It's, uh, it's a gun, you know. But go have fun anyway. It just, we'll, we'll see you later. Well, I'm sure they'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's if well, if the government knew, I think they someone would have more to give us than, hey, we saw something. I'm a colonel. Hey, I saw something, and here here's what it was. I think someone credible would have come out before they died, something, and said, oh no, like. They've been working with us for years. Here's this one's uh, name. You can reach him at this cell number. Just call him Pete, and he'll know that you're cool. You know, but <laughs> oh, they totally I think have. That, that I, I think that if hmm, I don't, I don't know, because I hear the shit like like Valiant Thor who talked to Nixon and stuff like that, and uh-huh. all this, and that stuff is a is a neat story. It's a super neat story, but. It w- everyone would know that name. Everyone would. And we would know about all the different kinds of aliens that are living under uh, uh, Dolce, you know, Air Force Base and things like that. We, it, I don't think it would need to be such a... Oh, I hate it. I hate this whole thing. Thanks a lot, James. <laughs> so, well... <laughs> it's frustrating. What, what my brother and I were getting at, though, is before the... the they, release such information to a possibly panicked public, uh, and this is uh, unfortunately 
just touching right back real quick on the on the religion aspect is that even though in our constitution <laughs> there's supposed to be a separation of church and state that has never been the case ever no and and it's and we, never we more asked, evident we should have asked james his uh his views on religion before we bashed it the whole episode <laughs> well i'm not even bashing it what I, what i'm really in this case this time but what i'm getting at though is that is that because there is no separation and you you, you have the extremist on both sides you know the the extreme government people usually believe in God and the, the people that believe in God eh, whatever I, I don't know how they really feel about their government but it doesn't matter you have extremists on both sides and then the people who are mixes in the middle and then you got weirdos like me and either way I believe that neither one of said parties said major world governing parties being religion and actual countries governments can come out and say anything separate from the other. They both have to somehow be in cahoots with explaining it to their people and then it trickling down through the grapevine into the anthill and then once everybody is convinced and okay with the fact that God's cool with aliens and the government's going to be cool with aliens, then everybody can be cool with aliens. At least that's, that's my theory. Doesn't it all just come down to, to cash at that point, though? No, is what that, it comes down is to is the hand, statement... One hand scratches the other hand and, and such, and yes and no. can't survive without the other? In my mind, yes and no, but it also comes down to that statement that I made in our transhumanism episode in that we are only 1% more intelligent than, than a, our closest primate relative, and that's not enough, obviously, to stop us from wanting to do nothing but make money and have sex and kill each other, you know? So yeah, but all those things are super fun. All those things are super fun to do, Chris. <laughs> Maybe you might. I mean, <laughs> the Japanese show us plenty of other cool stuff to do. <laughs> have you have you heard our show? <laughs> <laughs> you know this this thing about we'll take all the spotlight. This, this thing about religion and um, and and governments and so on is 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 true i mean there is a a sense in which the whole thing is tied together and if one if one wants to move the other one has got to agree to to move too and it's the same in britain to a certain extent the but my problem with all of that is that i don't think they want to move because they can't explain even a, a tenth of what's going on i mean the universe is just such a weird place and w the more we learn just recently, especially the last 10 years, the weirder it gets. Um, and anything that is about aliens and um, spaceships and, you know, faster than light travel and so on, is suddenly becoming a hell of a lot more possible than it used to be. You know, you could say 10, 20 years ago, people could honestly say they cannot get here because they can't travel faster than light. Now, you know, even, I mean, Louis, Louis, Louis Elizondo was saying about um, the, the sort of results from the report of ATIP, this Advanced Aviation Threat Program. He was saying that, you know, they were, they were close to understanding how the whole thing works, but they weren't there yet. And my guess is they're still maybe 50 years away from understanding it because it's about quantum physics, it's about space-time, it's about, you know, the, the most novel of propulsion systems. And it's also about who's behind it and the, and the mindsets that are behind it. And I think Edgar Mitchell, you know, you were talking about his son recently, uh, you know, earlier on. The Edgar Mitchell's idea about how you get to cope with, with what is happening and the fact that it's, it's a half psychological um, issue no doubt. is, is no doubt. pretty much on the, on the ball.
I, it, I, it's all about becoming uh, more. Uh, I think it's it's more about becoming universally minded instead of so uh, terrarian. Uh, it's you you have to open your mind to be able to make room for the cooler shit to come on in. Well, and, that just uh, makes me think too. If they're just going to start slowly leaking it into our curriculum, as well as the technology, you know what I mean. The, the slower it's, uh, and the... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, pretty much. I, I think that may be happening already. Pretty much. Really? Do you have, uh, I don't know, can you elaborate on it may be happening already? Yeah, because, you know, the, you, what you've got, last December, you had the Department of Defense release three videos, well, one after the other from December onwards, they were stunning pieces of evidence, absolutely stunning. And as far as I know, that's the first time that an American government department, especially the Department of Defense, has released um, evidence, solid evidence, into the public domain and, and not just um, allowed ufologists to discover it through back doors or whatever and then deride it. Yeah, now, that, makes they, it that makes it sneaky and, and weird when the weirdos have to, have to go through back channels to find something to make their point. But if the government just puts it out with a big question mark, like, here it is, guys, uh, something, I guess, then, uh, yeah, I, I see that. See, and that makes me, <laughs> that makes me uh, think that maybe some of the government might be uh, the government I wish and imagine it would be, aside from just paying me uh, to do nothing all day because I'm uh, lazy. Yeah, well, but, the, gov the government is uh, like... It's, it, the government is just like you and me and like everybody who's out there listening. It's the, the, you know, there are some people on one side who believe one thing and there are other people on the other side who, who believe something else. But within governments, they, they have more evidence about what's going on. And I think a battle was fought somewhere within the Department of Defense. Um, and it was probably caused, I think, by Lou Elizondo saying, well, look, I've had enough of this, I'm, I'm going to go because you're not, to, you're not taking this seriously enough and you're not putting it all together. I mean, Christopher Mellon said this, that the government is getting reports from all over the place in the military about weird, anomalous things happening, but they're not actually doing anything about it, or at least they're not tying it together. And, and I think that's where his frustration and Lou Elizondo's frustra frustration is coming from. They want to tie it together. They want it all to be one in investigation to get at the, to the bottom of all this. And so they had a rumble. Mm -hmm. I bet those they are some heated memos. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> some strong words in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, talking about uh, strong words, uh, just just real quick as an aside, I, I need to know that this part is absolutely true because I've been telling everybody. Is it true that Foo Fighters, uh, up until the end of the war, just to make it a little cleaner, were referred to as fucking Foo Fighters? Yeah, that's absolutely true, yeah. Oh, that makes the, me um, so happy. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> fucking Foo Fighters. Yeah. Fucking Foo Fighters. Yeah, fucking Foo Fighters. I mean, the US Air Force, um, or USAF as it was during the war, used, um, you know, they, they were ordinary guys, just like you and me and everybody else. Maybe not me. They, Maybe not me. They were, except you, of course, yeah. That's right. They were... They, and they use strong language. Um, and when when the intelligence officers said to them, 
you know, that, that you, what you've seen doesn't exist or couldn't exist. Uh, one of the guys said it was that fucking Foo Fighter again, and they were absolutely, they were right. Yes, and for the rest of the war, by the RAF and the USAF, they were known by that term. Oh, and it was only it. after the oh, war that the first bit was dropped, and they just became Foo Fighters. That is so great, and I, and I love the whole story behind. You know, it, it was uh, you know American comic strip about some some firemen or something like that with a speech impediment apparently, and it's. But that 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 whole thing is, is is way too big. That the whole Foo Fighter phenomenon uh, is is kind of crazy to get into, um, and people should know what that what that is. I mean, they they were one of the the top bands of the late '90s and early 2000s. So we can we can gloss over that, and they can they can look them up on their own. But we'll allow it uh, to be glossed we, this time. We, we are uh, we're getting a little uh, toward the end of, of of our show here. So wow, we um, haven't even asked even two-thirds of the questions <laughs> yeah but it's been it's been great so i it think has. i think we should get to our wild card section here uh because uh you know we, we've been having fun and that and that's and we've, we've been learning and that's the most important thing that we like to do here is that we we will find something that we think is fucking cool on the internet we will try to get as much information as we can about it and then we will tell people the approximate story of it. Sometimes we get some dates wrong or names or none of us can do uh, I can't I can't pronounce Russian names at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris is Chris is terrible at what uh, Chris is just terrible and then uh, and then and then Rob can barely speak as it is. So, we all have to be good at something now. We all have to be good at something. So since since Rob couldn't be with us this episode uh, he did he did send in uh, some questions. Uh, but I think this is the wild card round, so I think we're going to go with that one because his, I really enjoy. So, his question is, does Britain have a version of the Chuck Norris joke? <laughs> um, I guess it does, but I don't think I watch it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, to, to clarify... Britain has all sorts of shows, but um, you know, so some of them, some of them are good, some of them are bad, and the, uh, the the guys that run them are really looking for the right angles, and they don't really care too much whether they're true or false, but they they, they just entertain. Well, well, to to clarify, just the tiniest bit. Do, do, you, do you know who Chuck Norris is? He's one of America's uh, most famous. Uh, martial artist he is a white cowboy looking guy with a bushy beard and uh as an example of a chuck norris joke uh uh what's under chuck norris's beard another fist (laughs) it's just that simple chuck norris jokes are about a badass that's so badass that badass would be afraid of him yeah yeah like one time they tried to make chuck norris toilet paper but it failed because even it wouldn't take shit from nobody (laughs) so that's always my favorite i'm sorry so so look up some chuck norris jokes i think you'll yeah i will i will delightful he was he was taught by bruce lee personally so i thought that was fun um okay uh chris you go ahead with with your wild card i I, i'm real interested in this i want to hear what chris has to say uh, you know what? My my wild card is still uh, UFO related. It's it's not really all that wild. Honestly, oh, I just I, I just wanted to know about uh, what, what you think about this whole 
Trump Space Force thing because I would like oh, to do a, I my own episode of it, yeah. but I, there's not enough information yet, even though I do have a couple of decent little tidbits uh, in my research to throw in. But um, what do you think? What, what the hell? Is this like our beginning of the next phase or... or I mean, well, it could be. It could be anything, Chris, couldn't it? It could be. I mean, the, the most, the most likely thing is that it's about the midterms, and you know, getting some headlines um, okay. and convincing okay. voters that something's being done. But you know, you've all, you've already got um, Air Force Space Command, which has been running this the show for the past 20, 30 years and doing it very well. They've got the X-37 in space at this very moment as we speak, and it's doing whatever it's doing. Nobody knows what it's doing, but it's up there. Um, so the militarization of space is is already happening, and everybody knows that. It's a, it's a, a covert thing. The Russians do it, the Chinese do it, and, and so do you Americans. But at the end of the day, when you set up a space force, you're you're taking quite a risk in some ways because the the whole um, the whole thing about what Trump said was about America and it was about American interests in the world, and he said, you know, he said at one point that the uh, that it was going to be American dominance in space, um, and space is a war fighting domain. Make now, space great again. Space great again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 space first. That's right. Now, oh God, myself being I, I no fan. I will get one of those hats though. <laughs> but he's not doing any good for the allies or for the relationship between America and its friends abroad by talking about things like American dominance in space. Yes, America is powerful enough and has enough equipment and money to make that happen, and they and they will, I think, because now, uh, you know, President Trump has set the, the the whole thing in motion. So very soon, you'll have people wandering around with space patches on their uh, on their arms. But at the end of the day, if if President Trump wants to follow that sort of policy, it's going to be a very lonely road for America because they, you know, the Allies are being very patient with him at the moment, and that patience won't run forever. Now, you know, we need America, you know, Europe needs America, but America also needs Europe, um, and and a lot of other countries as well. So, what I what I would hope is that some of the the, the sharp edges of the Space Force will be knocked off by Congress and what will emerge is a much more collaborative effort which will be based on American interests of course it's got to be mm -hmm. but at the end of the day I think you you live in a, in a on, on a chunk of rock that's hurtling around the Sun and we're, we're all in the same boat we, we we've all got to try and live together now again you see if if America knew about aliens, and if they knew about people in spaceships visiting the Earth and so on, I'm not so sure that we would be making warlike moves and talking about the, um, the, the you know, it, space being a war-fighting domain. Mm -hmm. Because I think our, we'd get our butts kicked if we started going out there oh, against yeah. any of these oh, things. Yeah. Oh, we got to go out there with the peace flowers and shit first, and put them in their rifles and melt their hearts. And then, while their backs are turned, that's when we stab them. Ah, uh, yeah, flower power, that's the thing. That's right. I, and see, I, I also just, I, 
really, really hope that cooler, less absolutely idiotic heads prevail in this if it does go through like you said that that will uh you know dull in those uh, you know sharper tongued sections of it um because you're right we we would be uh utterly alone which is not a place that america can uh survive or thrive and it would be a scary place for us to be because i think an all-american cast of downton abbey would suck real bad so we (laughs) We need you guys, but for more than that. But yeah, we we've done pretty well for the last fifty, sixty, seventy years, and NATO has done very well, I think. Um, and President Trump appears not to not to like NATO, primarily because it, he quite rightly says that a lot of NATO countries aren't spending the amount of money they should be on defence. But what he's done, I think, is to is to sharpen up the game in Europe. So now the Germans and the French and the Italians and the British, for that matter, are spending a lot more on defense. And um, what they want now is for the Americans to say, OK, that's that's what we wanted all along. And you're pulling your weight and, we're, and let's you know get this job done. Right. Hmm. Which which I think uh, the machismo uh, of the American government as a whole right now uh, just won't allow that concession to happen. I don't think that even if everything were up to par, I, I don't think he would... I, I don't see our deliciously Dorito-dusted president being like, all right, guys, good job, and going home. I don't see that happening. I see him saying, yeah, but you still look weird, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that's it. It's sad. It's sad because he... I really thought he wouldn't get elected after that whole tape about grabbing women's pussies came out, and that just still confounds me. I still can't call him, still can't call him President Trump. So many just, things about this guy blows oh, my mind. It's just, it's a migraine when I think about it, but, you know, that's the position we find ourselves in, and if we can hope for the best of the best, or the best of the worst in this case, then... You know, hope is all we can do. Uh, but you know what they say about hoping and shitting and hands and things. So <laughs> and wishing. So honestly, and, I feel know, like do, he kind of goes right along with our whole pop culture uh, scenario that's going on today. Everything pretty much is dick and fart jokes and and you know, grabbing women oh, so by the pussies. I don't know because yeah. they fight for that right. I, I don't know. It, it just. It's all comedically relevant uh, and historically relevant uh, right now, but it doesn't help any fucking thing at all. (laughs) So my first thing, to keep, though, the idea of the Space Force away from protecting ourselves from aliens, was uh, I I immediately thought of, well, I wonder if what they're doing then is trying uh, to build Tesla's death ray up there to be able to just zap whoever they wanted to whenever they wanted to <clears throat> yeah well don't forget they've been trying to do that for the last 30 years the uh, the russians and the chinese have got similar sorts of weapons and similar sorts of ideas um, and they won't be far behind um, so once once space is militarized overtly which is what the space force will do for it of course it'll mm-hmm. it'll it gives the excuse now to china and russia to be quite open about the fact that they're going to make space um, a military war-fighting zone. He's invited them to do that. Jesus. And we're, we're just going to have 
just falling debris warnings every day. And Pretty people much. <laughs> crushed by yep. freaking lasers and such. Freaking laser beams, man. You know right, what, uh, we, I would like to be at the forefront of the um, um, scrap cleanup industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm sure that the government would, would handily take care of that for you in the beginning. But Space we have about five, five minutes left. My question is super quick. Uh, but first, I cannot believe we got through an entire episode about UFOs without me doing this to Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Classic I've been Jason. holding my guitar for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, um... Uh, my, my, my wild card question uh, is, is short and sweet, but it's something I've always really wondered. Um, is the queen nice? I bet she's nice. Is the queen nice? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a lovely woman. She's absolutely gorgeous. She's, and I'm, I'm not joking either. I think uh, she's the best thing that happened to this country for a long, long time. She, she and her family work bloody hard to... Um, to fulfill a role that's getting more and more impossible with every year that goes by and they're not terribly well appreciated i'd much rather have a monarchy that we can control i mean that that monarchy we've got is a thousand years old a thousand years of people and it's taken us that long to get them under control so Mm -hmm. we had to chop a couple of heads off and (laughs) abolish the monarchy for a while Mm -hmm. but we've got them under control now and because they're under control, they're, they're a damn sight better than any presidency, French, German or American, that, the, uh, that a country can have. Because they've got all the status, but no power. That's right. Ah, that that's makes right. sense. They just live in a pretty house and look pretty do with it. And that's, <laughs> I think, something we can all agree. So they're good. the Kardashians, but actually royal. <laughs> that's right. The Kardashians are royalty here. I'm just, I'm just, I just been sitting <laughs> in a pretty house looking pretty all day. I, I, I wasn't referring to the Queen's buns being uh, anything mm. like Kim's. Okay. Yep. Nope. That's where you stop. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> I said buns. I said buns. I know you did. I have respect. But, uh, uh, Mr. Abbott, uh, once again, I can't wait to, to finish reading the book. Uh, it's it's with a, you know doctor's appointments with the baby and running here and there and doing that and all this craziness that life has brought me right now. I, I find precious few minutes a day to be able to, to thumb through a couple more pages, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, your your writing is uh, it's it's an easy read, but it's got uh, a lot of information in it. So if you're looking for a book that has, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've just, just written about every single time a person ever saw a UFO ever in this book, right? Because <laughs> there, <laughs> there are, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome what you go through and, and the history of, uh, you know, governmental research into it and things like that is, uh, it's eye-opening, especially how uh, we find out you know, a lot of these governments just dropped it just because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. So yeah. pick pick up his book. Uh, it's it's a really, really good read. I've been having a lot of fun with it and telling a lot of people a lot of stuff about aliens and getting some weird looks, but then at the end they ask questions. And that's what I look for, is people to want to know more about stuff like this. So, you know, 
look for an outsider's guide to ufos it's a, a very interesting and informative read that will I, I can't say it will make you a believer i can't say it will uh change your mind on anything but it will give you the knowledge to have the power to have conversations with people that either believe or don't believe and then to maybe inform your own theories on things and that's what's so so great about it and i really appreciate that sir yeah, thanks, thanks that. Jason. That. <laughs> well, thanks both of you. That's, re that's really kind of you. Um, and I must admit, this, it's been an incredibly uh, enjoyable time spent with you. Thank you. Awesome. And you are Good more deal. than welcome back anytime. Indeed. Uh, Feeling I, I, I know that you have much more to say, and, and believe you me, we have much more to ask. Uh, but I think <laughs> this was a good, this was a, a great jumping off point because. We, we talked about some things that people probably know a little bit about, but haven't really heard uh, enough about. Uh, and just, I, I hope I get people out there to want to look this stuff up. That's my biggest thing about anything we do. If I'm talking about some depraved Japanese cannibal, or Chris is talking about, uh, you know, CE2s, or Rob's talking about Majestic 12, it doesn't matter if you believe it, that it happened. I just want you to ask questions about the world that you live in, and yep. want to know more about it because the the hunger for knowledge is a beautiful thing and if we didn't yeah. have it we would be nowhere i wouldn't be able to be talking to uh chris wherever the hell he's at in america i wouldn't be able to talk to james in england and we wouldn't be able to do this if people didn't want to know so i think you've just listened to a uh, a pretty neat little green tinged giant eyed version of see no hear no speak no Yes, indeed. The UFOs, conspiracies. I got nothing for this one. And Moitas. <laughs> and James T. Abbott. <laughs> Check out his book, people. It's sweet. Good times. And it's time for a countdown, kids. You ready? We go. Three, and two, and one. Good night. Good night.